This is the My Michelle Live podcast. Health Watch Wednesday. Here's Michelle. Welcome to Health Watch Wednesday. Kids and Christmas. Well, kids are under a lot of stress. Their world has been turned upside down. Depression and anxiety are at record levels for even the youngest of our society. So what are we doing about it? How can we help the little kids? And what are we missing? Think of some of the things that are happening in our world. We are in this Christmas time doing something like never before. It's called guilt gifting. About 40% of consumers say they're going to buy more gifts in 2020 to bring joy during challenging times. This is according to research by NPD Group. So there's stress, there's challenges. We're just going to throw more stuff at it. Oh, great. That's what we need. More entitlement. That's a problem. Today, we're going to talk about what we can do to turn back the tide. And trust me, making our kids even more entitled is not going to fit the bill. Stop it right now. (laughs) There's still time. And there's still time to make some good decisions. Our guest, Dr. George S. Glass, has been sharing his thoughts from the book, The Overparenting Epidemic, which is one of two books that he's put out on parenting that could be tremendously helpful for blended families, his first first book, Successfully Blending Families, and of course, The Overparenting Epidemic. Think about how overparenting may be affecting your child, their success in the future, and our society. So Dr. Glass, what are some things that that can help get us started in maybe relaxing a little bit as parents and grandparents? Well, I think I think your your notion, uh, uh, you know, your question, are we a, a, a society of, of entitled people? And the uh, sense that um, uh, there's shortcuts. And you see that everywhere mm. that you read that uh, uh, there ought to be an easier way. Uh, there ought to be a shortcut, and everybody is looking for the shortcut. And the, short, and the shortcuts are things like, um, and we talk about these in the book, because we, inter- we interviewed you know, heads of school, college, you know, guidance counselors, a uh, lady who ran a, who's run a preschool, premier preschool for over, over 50 years. And, and what they all said was that, uh, you know, kids need to make mistakes, uh, and it's different now. Everybody, you know, parents write, uh, you know, kids get coaches. When I was a kid growing up, I'd get on my bike on a Saturday morning. I'd ride off to, to play baseball during the spring with a bunch of kids in a park. You never saw an adult. In the fall, you'd ride off and play football. Nobody was there making sure you didn't get bloodied or you didn't get hit. You know, it, it was fun. And you knew uh, if you worked hard, you'd get somewhere. Uh, nobody tried to give you a leg up. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't as if, if, if you do, if you succeed in little league, you're going to get into Harvard, but that's the mythology that, that parents have, or, or it moves on from preschool to, uh, parents writing papers for their kids. Uh, you know, not just college applications, but, but school. And uh, I mean, one of the great stories uh, was that in a religious school, uh, a kid who's a high school you know, uh, sophomore, junior, 
turns in a paper, she gets a C. The father comes to the school irate about why did this daughter get a C? The reason he was irate, you'd think, is because he's worried she's not going to get into the college of her choice. Uh, or that uh, if you drill down a little, he's upset because he wrote the paper. He wrote true. the paper. <laughs> but, but more than that, worse than that, he hired... He hired a, uh, a professor to check out his ideas for his sixteen-year-old oh uh, daughter's paper. So, of course, the question is: you know, does he does he then pay the consultant if the consultant got a C on his paper? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's ludicrous, but that goes on to to uh, uh, you know, kids go to college. People call uh, uh, call up and try to intervene. Uh, we were talking earlier about tel- cell phones. And that, you know, a child has a bad interaction in school, they text their parent, the parent doesn't wait for the child to come home and say, hey, what was the problem? Let's see how you can approach it. They grab the phone and they grab their own phone and they call the school, oftentimes the headmaster, you know, the principal, uh, rather than teaching the child how to negotiate issues, because we all have issues as, as we move along. And the message to the kid is there's something the matter with you. You can't deal with it yourself. You need mommy or daddy or somebody to, to fix it or make it better for you, which is, a, a, a you know, on the one hand, you're entitled. That, that means somebody's going to take care of it. On the other hand, the other side of entitlement is that um, if somebody doesn't take care of you, you're lost and you feel badly about yourself. Your self-image is not what it could be because you feel like, you can't do it on your own. Do you have one or two things that maybe a parent can start doing? Maybe like giving our children the best gift ever this Christmas, a little better parenting to get themselves on a better road and maybe back off from the overparenting thing. Sure. Oh, oh yeah. And the first thing is is listen to your kids. Uh, you know, hear what they hear what they like and don't like. Just because you were not a great baseball player doesn't mean that your kid should be a great baseball player and get pushed at the age of six or seven. Listen to what they like. Number one. Number two, uh, don't overschedule them. Uh, you know, downtime, uh, not having an activity every day, not having a play date every day, having just some time to figure out how to deal with your own boredom or your disappointment and, and, and move forward. That's important rather than keeping them busy all the time. That's the second thing. And the third thing is approach issues, problems that come up with them about help them solve it. Don't, don't tell them what to do, but hear what their ideas are and you know, help them work it through. I appreciate really that. Three simple things. I, I really appreciate that. Dr. George Glass has a couple of books on parenting that you may want to pick up, Successful Blending Families. There are links on MyMichelleLive.com. They may help you on your road to better parenting. Dr. Glass, thanks for joining us. It's been great. Thanks very much for having me, Michelle. I'm Michelle Mendoza. Today we're taking on children, Christmas, and the challenges of 2020. And, well, parenting. From uh, trying to back off from over-parenting to finding ways that we can be better parenting. In fact, there's a new trend that's getting back to a more natural parenting. You know, not pumping our kids full of drugs every time they fall down. (laughs) 
down and scrape their knee. I remember having that. You may have had a neighbor like this. Did you have a neighbor like this where where uh, your your friend, man, they'd fall down, scrape their knee. The mercuricomb was out. They were taking aspirin. You know, they were, talk about over-parenting. You know, I fell down. I guess maybe because I was the last one. I fell down and it was like, eh, not enough blood. Go out and play some more, you know. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Well, you know, to each his own, I guess. But I wanted to, I wanted to, because on Wednesdays, we often do talk about healthcare issues. I wanted to invite a mom who really likes to bring it back to natural goodness. Kate TG, uh, welcome to Live from Seattle. You've, you've put out a couple of books. You have a great website for parents and grandparents, nieces, mm-hmm. you know, grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles. You should see this too. It's modernalternativemama.com and there's all kinds of things there. And as a result, you have a couple of books, Natural Remedies for Kids, the most effective natural Make at home remedies. And you have things like everything from cough syrup to allergy remedies. And you're dealing with things that you may even have in your own home that can help start before you start putting a lot of chemicals in your kids. Maybe start a little bit less invasive first. Yes. I mean, I think a lot of people are really interested in the natural or and organic oh, lately. Yes. And especially if it is something really simple, like your kid wakes up with a sniffle or they scrape their knee. Like, as you said, it's kind of ridiculous to go for, you know, major stuff right away because that stuff happens to every kid. So, you know, and these days you're not even supposed to use some of those things. Like in 2007, they said that cold medicine is now bad for kids under six. So if you can't use that, like, what are you supposed to do to make your kid feel better? Because kids get colds. So natural remedies are a great solution to that. Whether we're on lockdown, whether our kids are playing with other kids, whether they're in school, there are three things our kids usually deal with. The big three, colds, flus, lice. COVID may fall under that category with viral infections, you know, the cold and flu things, but those are the big top three. Mm, Yes, (laughs) that's true. It starts to get cold outside. All the kids are in the building together rather than getting outside to play anymore. And they do get sick. They do tend to pass it around and, and get more things. So, being prepared, like I recommend that parents, if they wanted to use natural remedies, start thinking about like what you would want to do now and maybe get some of those things because they're not mm-hmm. all available at a grocery store, just so that they're kind of prepared for when that does happen. So that, you know, when your kid wakes up, you're not like, oh, no, what, what do I do now? What do I get? You're already ready. <laughs> Perfect. We're all talking about viruses and uh, the flu season. What are some things I should have on hand? My favorite three things for colds and flu I love ginger because it's available everywhere and it's really safe for any age. I like elderberries, which are becoming more popular now. I think a lot of people are aware of elderberry syrup and you can even buy elderberry syrup if you don't want to make it at most grocery stores now. You know, I just picked and processed elderberries. Oh my goodness, making elderberry syrup really easy. I've made cough drops. Um, Here they are right next to me all the time. I have a video, real simple. I'll make sure that is up on our website so that you can see it's also on TikTok and some other areas where I've made elderberry syrup. It's it's fabulous. It makes a great addition to a lot of things, your drinks, your teas. You can also, uh, I've even made salad dressing with a little bit of the elderberry syrup. It's delicious with uh, just 
oil, balsamic, elderberry syrup. Fabulous stuff. And it's cheaper, isn't it? It's a lot cheaper, of course, if you make it yourself. And then an herb called mullion, which is not as common, and you probably would need to either go to a health food store or order online to be able to find Yeah, that. I haven't heard of mullion. Can you spell that for us? Yes, it's M-U-L-L-I-E-N. Okay. And it's a common weed. Like, you've probably seen it somewhere before. Like, a lot of these herbs that we use as medicine are weeds like they just grow around us but do you know that's really true and there's almost a reason for it because a lot of the things that you're bringing up in your book of natural remedies are things that people did use in the past we have dandelions everywhere but there was a reason they brought that over on the wagon train because dandelion is is toxidendria officinale which means kind of a a, a loosely translated means cure-all they used it for all kinds of things for curing warts for coffee. And so we've kind of lost touch with that. And if you're just joining us, Kate TG is with us. She's put out, as we talk about parenting today, she's put out a book, Natural Remedies for Kids. And we're talking about cold and flu season, which is going to come up as kids go back to school. So she's recommending things like elderberry, making an elderberry syrup, uh, using ginger, uh, mullion, which I had not heard of before. So some good things. And, and, and also lice. Yes, there's some um, essential oils that the lice really don't like. And so if you kind of mix those with your shampoo or there's some uh, other recipes in the book that you can make up and then kind of run it through your hair. And they're really not that hard to kill, surprisingly, with natural remedies because they don't... um, they don't like it when they're suffocated, so you don't even need the chemicals. Like if you just put the stuff in your hair and then you kind of cover it. I've thankfully not had to deal with this, but I heard from some of my colleagues, my other blogging friends, that um, that this was very effective for them when they unfortunately did have to deal with it. And I know in our family we use tea tree. Tea tree has been wonderful for treatment and for prevention. Um, there's just uh, and essential oils are, are wonderful things as long as you get uh, and I would recommend a therapeutic grade you know that because it, not all essential oils are created equally and you share in your book a lot of essential oils that can do really great things even from having less invasive cleaning products that can get rid of bacteria on a long-term basis you know that essential oils on the countertop can last for days and so uh, you're your blog shares a lot of good things, even beyond just the natural remedies. Yes, I mean, I shared a recipe very recently for like a cleaning solution I use, which basically is just a germ-fighting essential oil blend that contains cinnamon and cloves, and then I mix it with witch hazel so that it dissolves properly. And then that cleans, like if my toddler has an accident, if the bathroom needs cleaning, if, you know, whatever. And that same blend can be really good around the house to try to like, kill bacteria germs in the air so that hopefully you don't get sick and our kids uh, our kids are born with a plethora of chemicals already in their body that's even before they've gotten a chance to be exposed to things outside of the womb so being able to maybe bring it back as you said dial it back bring it back to nature not to say that if things get you know worse and that cold starts to turn that you don't go to a doctor you don't take you know medicine but having a nice, healthy place to start, I think that's great. And I, I commend you. 
Yeah, I do think it's really important. And I think a lot of parents are realizing that now and are trying to do those things or trying to feed their kids well. And, you know, and I recommend in the book that you do look at your kid's diet if there is something going on or look for things like probiotics to keep your kids healthy because there's a lot you can do like proactively to keep your kids healthy this winter. You don't, as you said, just have to wait until they get sick before you do something uh, to help them. And forgive me, I got pretty excited about some of the things we were talking about and even hearing about Mullen, which was kind of new to me. Um, we moved on kind of quickly. My bad. I wanted to back up. Mullen is a pretty fabulous anti-inflammatory, which I'm reading in your book here. A good remedy for earaches, bronchitis, coughing, sinus congestion, chest congestion, wheezing. It helps you to sweat and will help break a fever. It's going to encourage the removal of toxins and waste from the body. So some really good things and, and natural ways to bring down fevers because for kids and for you, there's a reason your body gets feverish. It's trying to kill something off. So instead of saying, no, no, let's not do it. Bring down that fever. You, you've got to have a healthy fever, not when it gets to a point where it's really dangerous, but a little healthy fever, not such a bad thing. We have so much more to, that we could take on, but in the interest of time, will you come back? Sure, that sounds great. That's great. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I love your blog. And you can go to this website to find out more about Kate, modernalternativemama.com. It's a great resource. And her book, Natural Remedies for Kids. Look it up and it may come in handy. Maybe a good book for someone as a gift if they have children. Kate, thank you for joining us today. Kate TG. Thanks for having me. Kids, colds, Christmas, some of the worst that we've had to deal with overindulging what we do with our kids being home all the time. Well, we're getting down to a deeper level. We're here for you. We're here for your kids on this Health Watch Wednesday. Well, Merry Christmas it is, but it's a Christmas of COVID and uncertainty and isolation and the loss of routine and in some cases, the loss of tradition. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention's Household Pulse Survey showed that there was a high percentage of adults who reported symptoms of anxiety and depression. But get this, do you know what segment of the adult population is suffering the most? It's the younger generations 18 to 29 and that was just the start then we started digging into what's happening with children children are purporting a lot of anxiety and stress children are impacted and here we are at christmas time i'm telling you i am here on our health watch wednesday to set the season right. And I found some spectacular ways that you can do that. I have to introduce something to you. Maybe a new way of introducing traditions. Maybe a new tradition in your household that gets away uh, from hustle, bustle, and the pressure of some of the things that we've indulged ourselves with in the holidays. I think my next guest is on to something great. Lisa Kalber is with us. She has a book and a new tradition for your family called The Giving Manger. Can't wait to share it with you. Take a listen. 
Each Christmas I look for ways to help my family focus on the true meaning of Christmas and the spirit of service. A trip down memory lane helped me remember a tradition I knew I needed to bring it to my home. I put pen to paper, wood to the saw, and clay in my hands to create a book, baby, and manger. Everything a family would need to bring this tradition into their home. We can't wait to share this tradition with you. We're so excited and passionate about this project. To us, it's more than a business. It's a way to share kindness. Lisa is with me now. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm pretty excited about what, what we're going to share. This is uh, your bra- your brainchild, you and your sister, I understand. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so this was part of a tradition then from your household that that you wanted to find a way to share and what a year to do it with. Can we talk about your household tradition? Yeah, honestly, this isn't something we grew up doing. This is something that we did as adults because Ah. our kids were really struggling with understanding the meaning of Christmas. So So, go ahead. What did you do? Oh, their list kept getting longer and longer and longer. And we just knew that we were missing the boat. We weren't really showing them the real message of Christmas. So my sister actually thought back on a neighbor that we had who had a small little manger in their house and they used it to kind of spread kindness. So every time they did something kind, they would just put one little piece of straw in their manger. So, you know, fast forward 20 years, we needed something in our home. So my sister is the one that remembered it and did it one year with her family, and then the next thing we knew, I was doing it with mine. We were sharing it with our friends, and I don't know, it just kind of took on a life of its own from there. It sounds like it. Here's the magic to me. The more we want and the more we get, the less happy that we are. Our children especially. And my goodness, we're setting them up for, if you want to be happy, get what you want. When real happiness comes the best happiness comes from other people's happiness. So when we can give happiness to others, the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. So as you're listening, think about maybe that quantum shift in our household. And what a year, Lisa, for us to be able to do that. What a year for us to say, okay, the world has turned upside down. Let's try something different. Absolutely. There's really not anybody who doesn't have something that's keeping them up at night, whether they're worried about their own family, finances, or a family member or friend. So this uh, giving manger is a great idea. You've done all the work. It's actually pretty precious. There's a book that goes with it that has hand-cut art. We'll talk about what that is and how beautiful this book is. It's really, really beautiful. It's not just a family or children's book. It's actually the art in it is astoundingly cool. You also include a little manger straw and a little clay baby Jesus, which is which is meant to use year after year after year. So it's a pretty cool concept. And the idea behind it then is every day you have the opportunity to show kindness to someone else. And when you do, you get a piece of straw, you put it in the manger, and that brings a little comfort 
to Jesus. Absolutely. We really strive to make the softest bed that we can for baby Jesus. <laughs> how, how did your kids react to it? You know, I feel like initially they're, they're excited about the idea, but they don't really know how to show kindness. <laughs> you know, they don't understand that like serving people is through your actions. So you do, you can do big things uh, like serve at the soup kitchen. Um, you can do big things like uh, helping a neighbor, but you can do small things as well. So I, I'd like to hear about some of the creative ways, because I'm sure your kids, once they got into the groove of this, they started getting pretty creative about ways that they could show kindness to others. And I think it sounds like it took on a life of its own. Absolutely. One of the things I think that got our kids really excited is something our mom actually did is we would do secret service for people, you know, like when you do a secret Santa. Yeah. Yeah. So you do kind things for people, but they have no idea who did it. Wow. Okay. That goes counterintuitive to what you would think a kid would enjoy because they want to get that praise. And they're so used to, my goodness, we praise them for everything. Everyone gets a participation medal. So everyone wants to get praise for something. This sounds like you're off your rocker, girlfriend. Like, you know, that's not what kids want. Kids want to be like, look what I've done. Aren't I wonderful? So what was the reaction? Did this really work? And did the kids get into it? Honestly, it really is amazing because, you know, kids are looking for modeling from you. They're looking at ways that they can, you know, show kindness, but they don't, they really don't necessarily know how just developmentally. So when you model that behavior for them and make it exciting and fun for them, they just jump on board. Wow. And they were kind of excited then about doing something and not getting outright recognition, but just watching somebody or knowing that someone benefited from their actions. That's really selfless. You're teaching your kids more than kindness. You're teaching them selflessness. What? You know, Who I does really, that anymore? I really believe, <laughs> I know. I believe so wholeheartedly in giving your kids the gift of emotional intelligence. And being able to think outside of yourself and see other people's needs and actually being able to act on them, it just creates such deep relationships in your life. Wow. And so how many years have you employed this giving manger in your family? Oh, goodness. Let's see. Probably seven years, eight years, seven years for us, eight years. How, how do then how do your your kids expect this now right and you've seen oh. this kind of take hold in them yeah and the funny thing is as your kids get older you know my son's almost 14 so a lot of the magic of Christmas has really gone by the wayside hmm. so we create our own magic just like you said wow. by changing other people's lives you were saying that it doesn't have to be big things Yeah, no, I mean, little things like we'll go to the grocery store in the parking lot and just return everybody's carts for them. (laughs) That's sweet. Wow. It's free, it's easy, and it's fun. So give us some more ideas, please. Absolutely. We love handing out candy canes. Okay. But one of our favorite things to do is hand them out to all the workers. Ah, 
Okay, you're going into like a Walmart, for example, and you hand them out to the people who are working. That's so sweet. Try giving it to the guy ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. You know, that's kind of sweet, too. Absolutely. We other things just like um, having your kids hold the door for everybody all day or, you know, just having them write a note, leave it in a library book where they can think about other people and their reactions, how it might change their day. That's pretty creative. I love that. I really love that. The whole opening the door thing. um, Kids, for example, are used to coming first giving kids if you ever used to go to uh, church potlucks kids are usually the oh, ones yeah. that, that get to go first and uh, and one year I realized you know kids expect to get it all and to get it first and they come first and if they don't Sometimes there's emotional breakdown. And a long time ago, I decided, you know what? No, we're going to wait until the older folks go first, the the older people in our congregation. And in fact, why don't you help carry their plate to their, their table? Boy, that changed from what can I eat and how can I consume and, you know, how much of the dessert can I get before anyone else gets to giving that kind of attitude is what we need in a world where we're deeply divided, we're completely unhappy, we, we're angry, we're anxious, and yet in Christmas time, your family is busy enjoying the joy of Christmas, whether we're in lockdown or not. The Culber family is given it. And that's something I wanted to take on too. You mentioned your 14-year-old son. At 14, it doesn't get old. No. This is a lifetime tradition, and that's the beauty of it. Wow. We will always continue to do this. And we even have people who purchase giving mangers that are empty nesters. <laughs> or young couples who just want to start a Christmas tradition together that they'll start with their kids later. I love that. That's pretty precious. And you've put it in a book, so it's a kind of a package. It's called The Giving Manger, A Christmas Family Tradition, but it also comes with a really cool book. And I wanted to talk about the book because of the artwork of it. A lot of good ideas oh, that yeah. come with books are nice, but they're, you know, they're just a book. This is actually art. It's um, a style called ripped paper art, Correct. Yes, that's correct. So your artist, tell me about her and what ripped paper art is and what it looks like and, and how artistic it is. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It really is amazing. So we were so lucky to have my sister's child, one of her childhood friends. It's actually her sister who's the artist. And she had done a variety of other things that never illustrated a book. So it was a really fun opportunity for her to take on this big project. Wow. So she actually rips, you can imagine, just uh, colored paper to look like a Christmas tree families. Uh, the, the artwork is actually this ripped paper. You may have seen it on Christmas cards and other cards. It's a, it's a pretty spectacular art, but that kind, of, that kind of artwork makes this tradition and the book pretty timeless. So as you read the story to your family, um, you see a family that's employing this giving manger 
in the book. You can do it yourself. You're, you can get a package that comes with a book and the manger, the straw, and the baby Jesus. Not to sound like an infomercial, but I think that it might be something that you want to get for your family. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or just go to My Michelle Live, and we'll have a link to it. Um, I think in our final moments, I wanted to talk about the importance of getting our minds off ourselves, of our fears, of the world around us and how it's changed, and to think about others and what a healing proposition it is, especially this year, Lisa. Absolutely. I mean, I know I've struggled this year. I'm very social. Community (laughs) is huge to me. Yeah. And not having that has been really hard for me. But this is like, it's this chance, this opportunity to spend. We like to spend a month doing it. Some families just spend a week. But I just think of every single person in my life. And maybe I just send them a sweet text that just lets them know that I'm thinking about them. Or I drop something little at their house. But either way, I just, I need people to know that I'm thinking about them. And I appreciate them. One of my favorite things to do, and this might be a little easier during social distancing, is utilizing utilizing social media to give a little love and light. So one thing that I've done is introduce the social media world that I'm connected to, to one person in my life and say, hey, this is Lisa Kalber. She's a new friend of mine. She's written a book that that uh, can really help us connect with a better way to celebrate Christmas. She's really thoughtful and fun to talk with. What a beautiful person. Just talking with her the time that I did, I just felt a sense of joy and peace. You know, what a wonderful way to praise a friend and to Think of something other than just posting a selfie of myself doing something ridiculous. So it's, I love it, this. I right? love this. Right? And so doing that every day in itself and introducing another friend is just a way to show people you love them. So thinking outside of the box this Christmas and setting the stage for the rest of the year, I think Lisa Kalber and her family and the Giving Manger is kind of heading us in that direction. Your kids may be suffering from the same kind of mental health breakdowns that the rest of the world is. We're focusing, they say Christmas is for kids. I say it's for much more than kids, Lisa. But if that's the case, well, let's set them in the right direction. Thank you for for sharing this idea with the rest of the world. Oh, honestly, it was been the most amazing journey. If I ever am having a down day or a bad day, All I have to do is go look at our social media and see what all of the amazing families that are doing the same tradition in their home and are tagging us with all these beautiful things. And it's a great way for us to get ideas, too. This Christmas could be much different. Thank you, Lisa. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And and especially, it can be a busy time of the year that you took some time out the week of Christmas to spend time with me. And we've just met. Uh, you can put another piece of straw in that manger. <laughs> it was pretty kind of you. It. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. It was 
Such a pleasure. Merry Christmas. And in this Christmas time, boy, what a time of the year it is. Today, we're focusing on this Health Watch Wednesday on the next generation. You know how they say Christmas is for children. Well, I would say, no, it's not just for children. And it shouldn't be just for children. But we have put such an emphasis on the magic of Christmas and the presence of Christmas and the happenings of Christmas and the go, 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 that our children are taking a hit. Children, childhood depression and anxiety is on the rise. And while we can talk about what we can do medically, and naturally to alleviate that. There are things we can do spiritually and physically as well. And I'm introducing you to some of the best ideas that are out there, new ideas and ways that you can connect your children to a deeper meaning this Christmas. In fact, you could even have the best Christmas in like ever, right? By <laughs> and there's a book, The Best Birthday Cake in the History of Ever. I have one of the people connected, Mary Walker, with this book. It's written by Mary and by Jennifer Hill. We're going to find out more about Mary. Mary and Jennifer and this great idea, a Christmas tradition celebrating the birth of Jesus. Mary, I'm so glad to connect with you. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to you. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. People have had to get kind of creative this year with children. They've had to try to think outside the box. They've had to cope with kids in ways that, you know, not even us homeschool parents have had to have our kids 24-7 like we have now. <laughs> so out of some of that creativity has come ways to bring things back to center. That's what this book is. And it's a really fun, actually, a really fun book and a really fun idea. Let's talk about where it came from putting this together. Definitely. Yes. Uh, 2020 has been, oh boy, quite a uh -huh. year, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my friend Jennifer uh, approached me over the summer and she was, uh, she has two sons and one of them was going off to college. And that along with 2020 kind of uh, created quite a bit of a sentimental, <sighs> heavy heart. Um, and it also created in her a drive to finally put pen to paper for a tradition that she and her family have been doing for 15 years. And she approached me, she and I have worked together in the past and some other fun projects. And she said, I, now is the time. I really want us to work together and write a book about the, birth, the best birthday cake in the history of ever. And I said, well, <laughs> give me more information. <laughs> this sounds amazing. What is it? And she said that when her sons were five and one, that she began to make a birthday cake every year for Jesus. And this was a way for them to really celebrate the true meaning of Christmas and make it less about the presents and less about the hustle and bustle and, and all of that that goes with the Christmas holiday season and, and kind of center it back to what we're here for and, and what we really should be celebrating. And I jumped at that idea. I said, that's fabulous idea. And I'm actually going to do that this year with my own kids. I love it. And so the book became the book <laughs> from, from that whole conversation. 
And a little deeper than just making a birthday cake, it's uh, the kind of cake you make can have significance. How you decorate the cake can have significance. You even include a recipe in the book. Definitely. So the the process that we decided um, would work best is if we really, if we did it in a rhyming way, because I am a mother of three and I read books to my kids at night and rhyming books are just more fun for the kids. They're more fun for me. So we said, let's make this rhyme and let's get the, the, the story out of a young boy that was on a journey to find a new Christmas tradition, one that celebrated the true meaning of Christmas, the birth of Jesus. And so he decided uh, through a little prayer and talking to God, he decided that a birthday party for Jesus would be the thing that they were going to do. So he sat down with his mom and they began to work on a recipe with every step of the recipe tied to a scripture and a lesson about Jesus. And so you can actually read the story or you can read the story and go from the story to your own kitchen. And you can make this cake with your kids and teach them the significance of each step and how it relates to our lives and how um, how Jesus has has affected our lives and, and Jesus' own life as well and the birth and the significance of everything. And it's all laid out as you make the cake. We'll talk a little bit about, just give you some ideas of the fun ways that you can make, not just make the cake, but bring some significance into this cake. It's a red velvet cake. Why? Well, uh, we had decided that uh, in in the, the thing about red velvet is really interesting because it, we've tried to make this very easy because we know it's crazy time for moms. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's easy enough to just get a cake mix from the store. And we chose red velvet because red velvet cake, when you put it in the bowl, is kind of a brown cake. But when you add water to it, it turns bright, bright red. And that, we decided, would symbolize the love from Jesus, uh, the love that Jesus gave us straight from the start. So uh, it's a brown cake. And when you add water, and the water symbolizes our belief in Jesus Christ, and it actually, we pull that from the Bible verse, John 4, 14. And, and then when you add the water to the cake mix, it turns red, like the love Jesus gave us. And we pull that from Romans 5, 8. So every step is, is like actually pulled from the Bible. And it's pulled from a children's Bible, the International Children's Bible. So the kids can understand the words. They're not really big words. And it really just kind of helps in that process. John 4.14, but whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. The water I give will become a spring of water flowing inside him. It will give him eternal life. So that's just a little example to be able to help kids have fun. It's going into the kitchen, baking this cake, bringing in the significance. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I don't care if you're an empty nester if you, <laughs> or you have grandkids that come back into the house. Finding ways that you can start new traditions with your grandkids. That's kind of a, a it's a tough era. You have all the things you did with your kids. Your kids are gone now and you're trying to be part of their new traditions. Some of those traditions, they will marry, carry on, but others, you have to start new ones. 
these are things that maybe grandparents as well can start. So if you're listening, you want to say, hey, get your mom and dad involved. Or if you you only have a a grandma and she's alone, find ways. Hey, mom, how about making an easy cake with the kids? Here's a book. This might be something we we can do to include people who are feeling discluded. Making the cake with a great grandma who may be in a, in a home and completely isolated, connecting them with social media or, or a Zoom call and saying, hey, we're going to make this cake together. These are things that we can do to really make a difference, Mary. Absolutely. And we actually have had so many grandmothers so excited about the book for that exact reason. They wanted to create a new tradition. And this was the perfect thing, you know, kids and grandmas having fun over the holiday season and baking. It's a great thing. And kids love to bake. And and so, yes, we've had a lot of grandmas starting this starting this tradition with their with their grandkids. So a really cute book, this book is The Best Birthday Cake in the History of Ever. It includes this story of making a cake for Jesus. But you also, of course, include a recipe, some of the significance of you have purple candles, you have white frosting. There's things that you do to bring it home and to solidify the message of Christmas. You include the story of the birth of Jesus in it as well, and some Christmas traditions that uh, have other Christmas, Christmas traditions, for example, that have significance. Share a couple of those, would you? Sure. Uh, you know, when when the the beauty of writing this book was that I was in the perfect stage with my own kids, and I know the things that they get excited about. So we started uh, talking about, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be fun if we had a couple of other activities in the book, like a find it game? So the one of the back pages of the book is is a Christmas traditions page and each there are nine pictures and those pictures are scattered throughout the book and the kids need to go and find those pictures throughout the story but then when they come back they actually get the significance of those different traditions what we consider to be um, just not as much a Christianity tradition just a Christmas tradition, although it is actually all related to Jesus and to Christianity. And so, for an, for example, the candy canes. Um, so candy canes have white to show purity and red to represent the sacrifice of Jesus. And the shape symbolizes the staff of the good shepherd. So, and then, and I then turn it upside down. down and it becomes a J for Jesus. Ta-da! That is, yes, I had a little, a little girl tell me that the other day. She said, also, if you turn it upside down. I said, oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> ta-da! And, ta-da! And, Look. and, you know, the, the gifts, um, you know, that came from the wise men. Us giving gifts came from the wise men. And then the tree, the star on the top of the tree is the star that guided the wise men to Jesus. There's so many traditions that we have that we thought it would be great to tie those into the book as well and then have something for the kids to find. And look, when we even have traditions that may not have started from a Christian tradition, we're living in a world that has many things that aren't specifically tied to biblical significance. But 
part of our parenting is teaching children how to include our faith in every area of our lives because it touches every area of our lives and you include even uh, touching on the Christmas tree and thinking of the significance of the tree of life thinking of the significance of evergreen of an evergreen tree being a representation of eternal life thinking of a tree uh, representing a cross that Jesus would come to die on and why Jesus came in the first place Believe me, you can bring spiritual significance to burnt toast if you need to, you know, in order to just get the message across that there is a deeper story. There is a God story. And I really loved the way you put this together. You're right, Mary. You were probably at the absolute perfect stage of parenting to know what really works for kids to put this together because this is fun. It's bright and colorful. You touch on all the cool things that you you really need. And what a great, what a great gift, not only for people with families, but maybe a gift for grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles to say, will you please be part of a tradition with the kids? That might be real fun. So kind of a yeah, fun thing I wanted I to introduce so. people to. Yeah. So, I appreciate it. I wanted to just give you a second to to talk to my friends listening right now and tell them what you think you'd really like for them to get out of this book, but also Christmas this year. Oh, well, I think the biggest thing for me and what I wanted my kids to experience was a way that they could truly grasp the importance of the season and to just take a step back and to slow down and to really realize that the family and the love of Jesus and the real reason for Christmas is really all that matters. And so for me, it was this perfect way to spend this time with my kids, creating lasting memories with them. And, you know, kids don't really remember the gifts that we give them as much as they remember the traditions <laughs> that yeah. we do with them. And so to me, the reason that we put this together and the reason we were rushing to get this together for 2020's Christmas is because this is the year we all need a little more Jesus. <laughs> this is the year that we can just slow down and close out all the noise and just focus on what really, really matters. And, and that's what I would pray that people can get, you know, take the book out of it. This is what I pray that people can get this season in general, is that there, it, it does seem like it's a crazy year, but you know what? It doesn't have to be. And we can just focus on the beauty of this season. Yeah, it's it'll be a year like we never forget. I've told this story before because it means so much to me. Uh, one time, kids were younger. Uh, this time of the year, living in rural western Washington up in the great northwest, and the lights go out. Everyone's in different rooms doing something on different electronics. So we all converge on mom's bed. We light candles. We play board games. We snuggle up. And when the lights came on, there was a collective, ah, 
because we were really connecting. 2020 is the year where the lights kind of went out for all of us. But if we play it right and we converge in just the right way, I think we're all going to be remembering what a special year this really, really was. And I want to thank you for making it just a little more special and giving us some ideas to make it so. Mary Walker has been our guest and her book, The Best Birthday Cake in the History of ever is pretty special we'll have a link so that you can pick up yours at mymichellelive.com don't forget to like this share this and get the word out we're doing something deep and important here we're getting to the god story just like mary thank you mary so much for joining us it's been so much fun it has been fun thank you so so much and merry christmas merry christmas Health News. Lisa, what do you have for us for health news today? Oh, I have some good Christmas health news stories for you guys today. Awesome. Because 2020 Christmas is turning out to be something you would see in the Twilight Zone, I thought this first news story from Buzz60 could give us some fun ideas on how to celebrate and still participate in Christmas festivities while still maintaining COVID guidelines. Take a listen to this story. Having time off for the holidays is the best, but this year, with so many restrictions, what are you supposed to do with your time? The CDC says that virtual gatherings are the safest ways to celebrate this year with your loved ones. With that in mind, here are a few things you can do. Bustle recommends you check out some drive through light shows and experiences in your area. DIY ugly Christmas sweaters with the people in your household. Take some Insta-worthy pics of your holiday baked goods. Good Housekeeping recommends you deck your halls with extra festive decorations. Since this was a year to remember, commemorate it by making a special 2020 ornament. Finally, schedule a secret Santa or white elephant Zoom with your friends and family. Let's hear another one. Well, this news story I found particularly interesting. And after listening to this, Michelle, I think that you must be one of the most inspired people in the world because it states that cheesy Christmas movies can actually inspire new ideas and make us all around just happier. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big cheesy Christmas movie gal myself. I'm more of a sci-fi weird show movie type of a gal. But I know you love those Christmas movies, Michelle. So you're going to love this. Wait till you hear this story. Many Christmas movies are undeniably cheesy, predictable, over the top, and the acting is questionable. Yet year after year, they have people hooked. According to HuffPost, one of the reasons why people love these kinds of movies is because they offer a sense of certainty and our brains love patterns, especially during stressful times. These movies also offer simple fixes to problems like dealing with childhood trauma, finding love, and reuniting with family. Plus, our brains love a happy ending. Few of us are ever going to switch places with a doppelganger, single-handedly save Christmas, or marry a prince or princess, but that doesn't mean these movies can't apply to us. 
NBC News recommends you let the underlying message inspire you. Maybe you give yourself a break, reconnect with a loved one, or perhaps you set new goals for the upcoming year. One recurring theme of these movies is to get back to what's really important. Try to apply that to your life. These movies may be corny, but their message is clear. With a little hope and Christmas spirit, you can do anything. That news story was from Buzz60. And last, I just wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. News update. Lisa J. Thanks, Lisa. More Health Watch at MyMichelleLive.com.